This is Power 1 and 2 Digital, the Power Breakfast Show podcast series. Um, Eve is in. This is your news bulletin from Power 1 and 2 Digital. Lawyers representing Paria and the families of the deceased victims of the Paria diving tragedy clash at the Commission of Inquiry into the incident. Paria's general manager opens up about the company's response plan during the tragic incident. And internationally, evacuation orders and advisories are in place in parts of Northern California as a major storm slams into the coast. Details in a moment. This is News 2, 7 o'clock on Power 102 Digital. I'm Avril Sintel Bab. Good morning. Attorneys for both Paria and the families of the deceased victims in the Paria diving tragedy engaged in a heated verbal confrontation during Wednesday's Commission of Inquiry into the tragic incidents, which occurred on February 25th last year at Paria Fuel Trading Company. During the cross-examination of Terminal and Trading General Manager at Paria Mushtaq Mohammed, Paria's attorney Gilbert Peterson raised concern with a particular line of questioning being pursued by Prakash Ramada, who represents some of the families of the divers who died in the tragedy in 2022. The proceedings got heated when Mr. Ramada spoke about a WhatsApp group which was created with the families of the deceased while addressing Mr. Mohammed. However, Mr. Peterson intervened at one point, calling for respect from Mr. Ramada. Mr. Ramada has um, this ability where he would say to the witness, um, you said so and so and so, and when he realized that there's some distortion, he said, I am asking. But he's not asking, he's stating it, hoping to get acceptance, and when he doesn't, he says, I'm asking. You know, what he you... can do is to recall accurately the evidence or closely to close to accuracy and then put it to the witness. Well, Mr. Peterson, I'm grateful for your great guidance, but was there a WhatsApp group chat created with the DC's families? Yes or no? Yes, there was a WhatsApp, Thank you. WhatsApp communication. So all the murkiness Mr. Gil, Mr. Peterson has has been cleared up. Mr. So Ramadan would, would have to respect me, even though it may be a challenge for him. Yeah, but I never said... Yes. Yeah, but he can't do that. Otherwise, I could respond in kind, and then we'll have an open season, which I know would not allow. Chairman of the commission, Jerome Lynch, had to intervene at one stage to restore order to the deliberations. Stand with your great experience that sometimes it's easier to let things go than it is to challenge each and every one, simply because we will be here forever. Mr. Ramadar has a certain style about him, which some like, some don't. Um, I'm not going to pull him up every time he makes something which might be objectionable. So, uh, well, all right. Well, that's a little harsh, but never mind. Uh, um, he wouldn't have any clients if that were the case, would he? You know? well, well, so uh, let, let's be clear. I, he I, does. I so. need to respond that the clients that Mr. Peterson has, I could understand why no, they do not like stop me. this now, Mr. Yes. Ramadar. You can yeah. carry on. But please, all the big boys. Just, just please be... Big, big money. Circumcept... Yeah. Please be circumspect about the way. So, we move forward. Meanwhile, Paria Fuel Trading Company Limited says from the time five divers were sucked into the pipeline on February 25th last year, the main focus was on getting reports on the internal condition of the pipeline through video footage. However, terminal and trading general manager at Paria Mushtaq Mohammed made it clear the company was not only dependent on video footage, but sourced expert input from professional and commercial diving companies. Mr. Mohammed said based on the emergency response plan it had with LMCS, they were the first responders as the company had divers available. 
Paria also called in expertise to be able to analyze whether a dive was possible, including the Coast Guard and expert diving. So to say that Paria was only waiting for video footage, if you look at the series of parallel activities that were taking place, Paria was trying to bring expertise and information to ensure the safety of a rescue diver who would have to enter that pipeline. So to simply say that Paria was waiting for video footage, I think is, 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 not, is well, not totally I'm just, accurate. I'm, I'm just telling you what the evidence shows. Okay. Okay. Mr. Mohammed was at the time responding to questioning from Ramesh Lawrence Maharaj, lead counsel for the commission. He said the Trinidad and Tobago Coast Guard also gave their input into the development. The evidence shows that until 4 a.m. on the Saturday morning, Paria was still looking for video footage. That is 11 well, Mr. Maharaj, the evidence also said that by 12.30 on Friday night that that video footage were looked at by expert divers. It was also regarded by the Trinidad Tobago Coast Guard as a dive that they were not willing to risk. So it was not just the video footage, it was also the use of professional opinion to be but, able to guide us. But we have evidence that the Coast Guard said they were not experienced in that kind of operation. The Coast Guard said they weren't experienced, but they were brought to, to, to test. You are listening to news on Power 102 Digital to 7 o'clock. Further field evacuation orders and advisories are in place in parts of Northern California as a major storm slams into the coast. Regions that have been hit by wildfires in the past were among the first places to be told to evacuate due to concerns about flooding and landslides. California's governor has declared a state of emergency for the storm, the second to drench the state in a week. Forecasters say it will form into a bomb cyclone, a type of explosive storm, and will probably kill people. Northern California, which saw a deadly levee breach over the weekend, is expected to be hardest hit. The National Weather Service has issued a flood watch and high wind warning for the entire Bay Area in Northern California, saying that wind gusts were expected to down trees and cause power outages. Finally, here's weather news for the period today till midnight. Trinidad and Tobago, partly cloudy and breezy with intervals of showers over a few areas. There's also a low chance of the odd heavy shower or thunderstorm. Partly cloudy conditions will likely linger into the night with isolated showers. Winds can become gusty in the event of heavier downpours. Note there is a relatively mild concentration of Saharan dust present in the atmosphere. Sensitive persons are being advised to take precautions. Look out for a very cool maximum temperature this morning, both at Piaco International Airport and Crown Point Tobago of 29 degrees Celsius. Currently, the temperature at both localities is 25 degrees Celsius. Recapping your headlines, 2, 7 o'clock, lawyers representing Paria and the families of the deceased victims of the Paria diving tragedy clash at the Commission of Inquiry into the incident. Paria's general manager opens up about the company's response plan during the tragic incident. And internationally, evacuation orders and advisories are in place in parts of Northern California as a major storm slams into the coast. I'm Avril Sintilbab. That was news to 7 o'clock on Power 102 Digital. Look out for another major newscast at 12 noon today and an update at 8 o'clock this morning. For more details, log on to power102fm.com. Up to date and credible. Power 102 Digital. <laughs> <laughs>
Thank you, AV, for our major news. Of course, we have a news brief coming up at 8 o'clock. All right. And let me just tell you what's happening traffic-wise. It's heavy. It's heavy. Wow. I'll tell you how heavy. Let's get it here. Um, yeah, if you're on the... We are northbound on the solo. Well, the creek. You got some traffic there. South Orapu's got some traffic. Highway to uh, San Fernando Bypass. Also got some traffic. Rivulet Road is beginning to bell, leaving Coover. Taking the southern main road through Calcutta. Uh, you also got some traffic. Uh, but from Sugar Guanas, heavy. All right, it's heavy. Heading towards Data Change. I got another accident to tell you. What is going on today? Another accident to tell you about. It is northbound and it is by the Carney River. All right. Um, from Kelly to Curep, you've got traffic. That uh, vehicle on the left lane is still westbound. It's still there. That's creating quite a backup on the Churchill Roosevelt Highway uh, from Best Creek coming all the way down to Yui. Uh, and then from Valsane in the Port of Spain. It's heavy getting on the interchange if you're on Uriah. And get in the port of Spain. Lady Young Road, Eastern Main Road, you know the spots. And of course, come out to Dago. Uh, beginning to build out of Maraval, Mocha, heavy towards that roundabout. Okay? So let me uh, just give you the results. Well, let me just add some results. I got Bib. Says no, won't make a difference. Thank you so much. All right, so that's the results there, Richie Rich. What do you got? Well, our poll this morning mm-hmm. was, well, is, do you think Trinidad and Tobago should implement entry requirements of a negative COVID test for visitors from China? We had 23 people voting on the poll this morning in the allotted time. Mm-hmm. Of the 23 people voting, 20 of you said yes, there should be some sort of entry requirement. Three of you said no. So 23 and it was split among exactly like that, 20 saying yes, and three saying no. Of course, you can continue to vote on this poll throughout the day, through all programming, and we'll give you the final result um, tomorrow, Friday morning. Because the weekend begins tonight, people, at a second after midnight. Yeah. I just wanted to touch on what the WHO has been saying about the issue, mm-hmm. according to one of the articles in an, in one of the dailies this morning, and um, it it um there's there is um the WHO itself is concerned about the lack of information coming out of China, and the head of the WHO said yesterday the agency is concerned about the risk to life in China amid the coronavirus explosive spread across the country and the lack of outbreak data from the Chinese government. Hear that? The lack of outbreak data from the Chinese government. 
as as Paul was saying, this whole thing started back in Wuhan, and there was a lack of data coming out of China then, and even the the actual doctor that first put up the red flag that there was a new virus was shut up and eventually died, which caused yeah. a certain amount of protest in China. Mm-hmm. WH do Director General Tedros Adhanom Gebreyesus, if I'm not too sure to pronounce his name, I am opening this right. I love that. said the agency recently met with Chinese officials to underline the importance of sharing more details about COVID-19 issues, including hospitalization rates and genetic sequences. Even as the pandemic continues to recede globally since it began in late 2019, data remains essential for WHO to carry out regular, rapid, and robust risk assessments of the global situation, Tedros said. Tedros said he understood why numerous countries have recently taken measures against travelers coming from China, saying it's understandable that some countries are taking steps to prevent their citizens giving the void of information about COVID-19. WHO Emergencies Chief Dr. Michael Ryan said the testing protocols implemented by some countries were not a restriction against travel. It's not an excessive measure based on individual countries' risk assessment. He noted that for the past three years, China's had some of the world's harshest rules regarding COVID-19. The reality for China is that many countries now feel they don't have enough information to base their risk assessment. Earlier this week, Chinese officials sharply criticized COVID-19 testing requirements imposed on visitors from China and threatened countermeasures against countries involved, which include the U.S. and several European nations. We believe that the entry restrictions adopted by some countries Targeting China lacks scientific basis, and some excessive practices are even more unacceptable. So um, that's the foreign ministry from China. WHO's Ryan added that there were continuing concerns about how Chinese officials are recording coronavirus deaths, saying their definition, which only counts COVID-19 deaths if there is a record of respiratory failure, is too narrow. Throughout December, China recorded only 13 official COVID-19 deaths, despite many thousands of cases every day and reports about overwhelmed hospitals, fever clinics, and crematoriums. A WHO expert group yesterday said no worrying new COVID COVID variants have been identified in China based on the information authorities have shared, including genetic sequencing, Um, deposited into public databases. WHO said Chinese scientists have now shared more than 770 sequences with Omicron subvariants BA5 and its descendants accounting for more than 97% of all local infections. Globally, BA5 variants comprise about 68% of all sequences. And, And well, the rest of the article is really along that line. But but that gives you a sense of how that lack of information can be dangerous to the rest of the world because it scientists be, around yeah. the world want to know and want to be monitoring what possible variants can be coming out of China. And if China is being reticent in terms of how they're releasing the information, if they're releasing it at all, has to be a concern. And and who who bigger to raise the concern than the WHO? 
many at one time accused of being in bed with China, at least some of the right wings in, um, in the United States. Well, if not in bed with China, they were soft on China because funding shifted primarily from the U.S. under Donald Trump to China in large respect to, to the WHO. So they were, they were uh, reticent to declare the pandemic in the first place and, and also to ascribe origin to Wuhan until it was well undebatable so global politics kicking anyway you know but right now i mean i don't know why they believe anything about the chinese government because they have a notorious and dubious reputation of misrepresenting data coming out of china on several fronts and nobody can do them nothing and they know that yeah they know that they know the two huge thing now as a market sanctions are very tenuous from the time you mentioned sanctions is getting a high horse and start to um remonstrate and as you said earlier on on your right that they have provided funding and support in so many developing countries that they offer diplomatic pressure for people not to join the bandwagon to condemn them in several instances when they should I just hope we don't wait until to come in here with a deadly variant and start back the nonsense here to put mechanisms in place. What it will take nothing to put mechanisms in place now yeah. to require testing. But as you said, Richard, th those those sorts of things happen at a high diplomatic level in terms of conversations between our Ministry of Foreign and Caricom Affairs and the Chinese ambassador and whether or not they want to go that route, given the kind of funding and donations China gives to Trinidad and Tobago. Really they didn't build that massive embassy in, Mar in Marafa, just so. Nope. Mm -hmm. I don't know if we could speak to President Lumpkin from Tutor concerning the issue in St. Joseph. Because yeah. he just walked out there yesterday. We'll do that. Dozens of disgruntled teachers drove out of the school compound blowing their vehicles' horns and blinking their headlights in solidarity as they called on the Ministry of Education to fulfill its promise of upgrades to the school's dilapidated infrastructure. Now, I want to preface this again this entire conversation by saying that that St. Joseph school was being rebuilt. And it was, I mean, fairly advanced. It had roofing and all of that. It is a catastrophe. It is a catastrophe in terms of the public purse and the amount of money that would have been poured into that building. And I know part of it was the contractor wasn't getting paid, which I know we brought up with Minister Garcia when he was the Minister of Education. But it was it was hurtful to citizens passing who, who who had sight of or people in the area that that school that was being rebuilt to replace that dilapidated one they're talking about now was allowed to get into such disrepair that pe people took off the whole roof. They took off the whole roof. And not to mention all of the other, well, well, between scrap iron people, and well, next door is Bangladesh, and people might want to say, oh, you don't want to blame Bangladesh, blah, 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 but yeah. 
Uh-huh. But plenty of the school was basically pulled apart. That new, new school that they were building. With a free fall, with material. If it was 90% complete, as, as I said, as somebody said on news last night, it's now 30% complete. You talk about a waste of taxpayers' energy and money. And the Ministry of Education has not been held accountable for that. Has there been an official statement from the Education Minister or the Ministry? They said it I was a, um, the, a, concerning the teachers storming out yesterday because of the issue of crime and robberies. There was a statement they said from the Ministry of Education last night on news where the Ministry of Education basically said there was some high grass that posed a crime concern and there were a few robberies and the Tunapuna Piaka Regional Corporation cut down the grass and all is fine and hunky-dory and, and par paradise has returned. A few robberies. Paradise okay. has yeah. That's how they described it. A few, a robberies. few robberies. A few robberies. So don't worry too much. Yes. It was just a few robberies. A few robberies. That's how the statement was phrased. And I was like, who crafted this statement? Why would you say it was, you know, a few robberies as if you're minimizing it? And somebody was asking why the ministry had on one of the worst performing ministers list. Okay. And basically, I'm not Bush. getting Mr. Lumpkin. Eh? And basically, they say Bush. Okay. They say it was Bush, and the Tunapuna Piaka Regional Corporation dealt with it. And they cut the Bush to the robberies will stop. Yes. Okay. Now that's going and to why it have to Banga. wait? Why does it have to? Banga. So I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I don't want to. I mean, I've, I have gone into Bangladesh already, and I've lined in Bangladesh. Believe it or not. You have. And um. So I don't want to, you know, ascribe anything to people from Bangladesh, but the school being ripped apart and it's right next door to you, you must know something. If it ain't you, you must know who it is. A whole school that is being built gets ripped apart from fittings well, and metal and Well, to me, it's more an indictment on the education facilities management company or whatever iteration of that exists now. Uh, school security and the ministry itself because the but, school but, is one of the assets under your remit but here this poll i remember bringing that up when we were talking with minister garcia and i can't remember uh, sorry when the lord didn't show this morning because he might remember but my He's thinking listening. was that the contractor didn't hand over the property so that they couldn't this is the excuse i think that was given at the time so that they they weren't in charge of the premises because the contractor was still in charge of the premises and the contractor had not handed it back over because they were owed money. What? A version of that. Absolutely unacceptable. Well. And now they're going to try and spend money according to what the news said yesterday and what the Ministry of Education and the Minister said is that they're now going to try and allocate funding to improve the dilapidated condition of the old school. Nothing about the new school, eh? That was being rebuilt completely to replace that dilapidated school to the back. If any of you know the, that, the one, know the old the school one, is to the back. The one where the students enter, basically, from my St. Joseph Police Station, compared yeah, to the one yeah, yeah, that they enter from Farm Road. Compared to the one that, that is under construction from Farm Road. Right, and you could see it on the bus route. If you, yeah. The new school, well, the new dilapidated school. 
what they call that when you put two words next to each other like that and and again an oxymoron and again not surprising they're going to ask why students from those areas are underperforming okay they're going to ask why they are underperforming but how can you perform under those conditions how All can right. teachers perform under those conditions how all right. Um, we do have the president of the tutor, Mr. Martin Lumpkin. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Mr. Lumpkin. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year. Happy Welcome New Year. Welcome to the Power Breakfast Show on Power 102 Digital. I have Richard Raghubari Singh and Paul Richards. Oh, good is it is it a happy new year for you? Uh, first of all, give us an update from your perspective and what you have heard has transpired at the Curiop Secondary School. St. Joseph Secondary School. St. Joseph, Joseph sorry. Yes, yeah. Um, well, former Kirop um, Junior Secondary School. And what we can say at this time is that this school has been plagued with a number of infrastructure issues. Um, it's one of those schools that were built in the 1972 area um, with the you know, Junior Secondary Schools. And so the, there was an attempt to rebuild the school that... Um, those buildings have not been occupied um, at this point in time. And so you have failing infrastructure at these schools because of the age over probably 50 years old. And so um, it's, it's affecting the, the teachers and the students there that you have um, several issues that are um, you know plaguing them in terms of delivery of curriculum. Well, in, according to the news last night, there were incidents of robberies and stuff in the area, even of parents, not only of students, and I assume teachers, but also parents who um, are going to visit their children or whatever, because they, they raised the incident of a parent yesterday carrying money for one of his children and being robbed outside of the school um, um, up to yesterday or the day before. And, and it was a combination of all of these issues, the issues of security that was raised on the news last night with regard to why teachers would have stormed out. Um, do you have verification of that? Because it's the, teachers have stormed out, so I assume teacher is aware. Yeah, we're not aware. Um, I am not presently aware of the incident of the parent being robbed, but I know of the... We, we have raised this issue of um, the infrastructure and, well, throughout... Trinidad and Tobago, the um, security issues. We There are security at schools, but it's not adequate. Um, when you have um, security officers having to leave the post and do patrols, and there are not sufficient security guards there to, you know, man the entry exit points and so. And, and it's a concern we have had in the past as well and continue to have in terms of um, all the schools generally. Um, but in this particular instance, um, I'm not, I don't have reports of the robbery. What kind, what kinds of responses or, or, or feedback have you gotten from teachers who had been working there, given that the issues had been raised before? Teachers have been very, very tolerant of the, the issues, um, especially at the school. Um, I could recall as far back as um, 2013 when I was in office as a third vice president, we visited the school um, due to the infrastructure issues and we would continually bring it up at our um, PS meetings, monthly PS meetings. 
and assurances would have been given that you know they are working on it and you know that um they have they are on top of the situation it has culminated into this um action by the, the, the teachers because um to our report it is a health and safety issue they have um they have reported to the osh commit um osh agency in terms of um the, the health and safety issues and it has culminated with the the teachers um leaving compound yesterday I know the school What's... to I know the school to the front Mr. Lumpkin and you must be aware of this they were rebuilding that school completely from scratch a new school um to the front and and I do the state wasn't paying the contractor for some reason I know when Minister Garcia um, was the Minister of Education, we had re- repeatedly raised that issue with him. And he always said, oh, the school was on the list for completion, the list for completion. There was always this mysterious list. And that St. Joseph, New St. Joseph Secondary School was on that list for completion and payment of the contractor. That never came to pass. And the, and the, the new building is now in a dilapidated, stripped state. Has Tutor not objected to all of that? We have objected, um, Senator Richards, in the past. I, I will go back as far as when I was in office, 2010 to 2016. And it's not only, I don't want to take away from St. Joseph Secondary, but there were a number of other previously junior secondary schools that were rebuilt. Separia, what we call E-Secondary, which is um, what used to be Separia Junior Secondary. We had a number of issues with Coover West Secondary. Um... And, and so there they were attempts to rebuild these, these um, junior secondary schools, and the ministry at the time recognized that because of the age of the schools that they need, needed to be rebuilt. But what took place after, we, we are quite amazed, because at St. Joseph Secondary, it's just a shell. I understand um, what remains is what couldn't be taken out of the, the building. If persons probably could have chipped away at blocks and take it away, um, simply they probably would have done it. And right now you just have a structure there, um, millions of dollars being spent. And we would have brought it up with the Ministry of Education, as I said, at our permanent secretary monthly meeting. And the same response would have been given that, um, you know, it's on the list, you're looking into it, they will, you know, continue to do it, and nothing up to now. So you have the instance of St. Joseph Secondary, Separia, East Secondary, um, well, Cuba West is, is occupied at this time, but there were a number of issues with that as well, too. And, and so we are very concerned that teachers are in, a, in an environment where they are not safe um, because of the failing infrastructure. I visited Pleasantville, the former Pleasantville Junior Secondary, where they had um, um, power to the... To the um, there was a, a, a project where the students were doing murals, positive impact positive messages and you could see the feeling of the structure and um, that's San Fernando East Secondary, former Pleasantville Junior Secondary. And you know, these these things concern us quite um, quite a lot because our teachers going beyond the call of duty in, in performing, you know, duties within these challenging um, infrastructure and challenging um, feeling of the structure and, and doing their best to deliver the curriculum to have positive impact on the children and the nation. And to us, it seems as if, you know, it's not being addressed in, the, in a, 
timely and as if it's not important at the time because the teachers are staying on and they're not um, they're not making any fuss, then they will continue to, to neglect the infrastructure there. How is it impacting the performance of the school overall, if you have that data? We, we, we don't. We have to look into it. But I can tell you, at Pleasantville, um, at Pleasantville Junior Sec, former Pleasantville Junior Sec, which is the San Fernando East Secondary, the teachers are doing a wonderful job there. The art, um, in, in terms of art, they have uh, over 80% pass rate. Um, and they, they, as I said, the project that they had is having a positive impact on the students in terms of um, behavior as well, too. They are trying their best, and teachers throughout Trinidad and Tobago are trying their best. Um, I'm talking specifically, let me get related to Sinjuism, because this infrastructural issues, or these infrastructural issues, uh, coupled with these health and safety issues, must, um, all the teachers are doing, going above and, above and beyond, must be having some sort of impact on the learning environment. Yes, it, it is. And um, let's take, for example, St. Joseph. As, as I said, from way back in 2010 when I was in office, teachers have been under these trying conditions and trying their best to deliver the curriculum, but also to um, impact on on discipline and, you know, in violence and indiscipline. Um, and, and that's another topic, you know, and that has deep-rooted um, issues there. And, and the school is trying their best to mitigate against all that is um, being put on the, the students and the teachers when it comes to these issues. So when you have to fight up external issues as well as internal issues um, and try to deliver the curriculum and try to impact on the children, then... Um, it will weigh in at some time in terms of your performance. And it, to me, it's quite unfair that, you know, some of sometimes we judge these schools because, and, and this is another area um, um, Senator Richard, you would know about in terms of um, if, you, if you are putting um, lower achievers, and, and when I say lower, I put it in quotes because, you know, we, we judge based on curriculum. But if you put in these, these um, lower achievers, in one area, and they don't have that self-esteem, and so you're going to get um, issues of um, indiscipline. These students are going to be distracted. They're going to find other means and avenues to vent their frustration because they're not achieving. And that's a, you know, that's a different topic we can go on to. But in terms of St. Joseph um, Secondary, and where they are located in the, the community, is deemed, in quote, a hot, uh, hot spot as well, too. And so, you know, you'll have those factors that bearing on to the, the school itself. And the teachers, I must commend them again for trying their best, but it has no... Well, well teacher effort is one thing, but, but having an environment that's conducive to learning, one, having the resources for persons who have learning challenges, two, or not, it's, it's almost like you're creating a perfect storm for an achievement. Yes, yes, it is. And, and it's easy to say, well, the students are applying themselves. Uh, but that's not necessarily the case because they have a lot of issues against them. Walking into an area knowing you may be robbed, walking into a, a, a scenario knowing that you've been promised a better environment to conducive to learning, inclusive of 
the environment that that supports teachers in a productive way to, to deliver the curriculum and assess students in a productive way and the ministry knows all of this they must know that since 2010 has been having a negative impact why has it not been prioritized not a question for you but certainly the ministry <laughs> and quite frankly the mp for the area yes and we intend when we meet the ministry again to bring up these issues um and and what are they doing um, Senator Richards, the Student Support Services Division is a, a very good idea. Um, it's an idea there that, that needs to be expanded. So you have your, as you know, your social worker, your um, special education worker, your, um, your guidance as well, too. But beside the guidance, we also need some um, school psychiatrists, uh, um, at least in the district, to help to, to you know, to give support to the, these areas, and they are grossly under-staffed, um, they are grossly under-resourced. If you really work it, you can give the schools the assistance they need. And, you know, intervention, as you know, is, is time-sensitive. The earlier you can give um, fruitful intervention, the better it will be later on. We can't wait until secondary school to have some of these inter interventions. We, we can identify it at the primary level. And I can tell you, principals and teachers have been sending in their referrals. They have been doing their groundwork. It's just that SSSD is understaffed and under-resourced in order to deal with all of the situations. And I, we at Tutor believe that um, we need, the Ministry of Education needs to focus on that area especially when it comes to support for our teachers. Our teachers are not trained to deal with special education or to deal with counseling. They try, <clears throat> sorry, they try their best, but um, we need professional help and professional intervention. Mr. Lumpkin, they even get me started student support services, which is a fantastic idea that's being, not being resourced adequately enough, and it has been raised over and over again with just obfuscatory, statements about funding and resources available when really and truly more and more is being demanded of student support services with less and less um, availability of resources given the challenges faced by students particularly uh in situations like this yes yes and it's I, just I, it's just frustrating to be talking about the same things over and over and over when when they don't realize the impact is is not going to stay with the students and the performance is going to have wider societal impact or has been having it is very frustrating um even when i was back in school and having you know challenges my school is, wasn't that bad and i still had some challenges i could imagine the bigger schools or the schools that have more incidents um and not getting the, the type of in, in, um, intervention that is necessary and yes, it is frustrating, and as the head of the teachers' union and teachers seeing, sometimes being helpless because they, they would have tried their best, and the intervention, the limited intervention that they can perform um, works, up, works up to a certain point, but they need the professional intervention that should be provided by the Ministry of Education. It's frustrating to say the least. Uh, we will continue following it up. We thank you for being with us this morning. And uh, Happy New Year. All the best of us. Safe, prosperous New Year. Same to you yes. and your family and to, to, your, um, to the media as well, too. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you thank so you. much, Mr. Yeah, thank you, Mr. Lumpkin. All right. You're welcome. Thank you. All right. It was the president of Tutor, Mr. 
Martin Lumpkin. I don't know. You keep hearing the same, the same old talk from the ministry over and over and over. And you know, the student support services issue keeps coming up over and over and over. And yep. and he spoke about students who are lumped, a particular achievement level of students being lumped into schools. The, the issue is much wider than that. The, the issue primarily has to do with the fact that if the transition mark from, from primary to secondary school is 30%, it in a really simplistic but inaccurate representation form means that if you make 30% or 40% or 50%, you are just barely okra with the curriculum that you should be moving into a different stage of your education, educational life. And it's become accepted that, well, 30%, they pass SCA and then a school. But it really means that you, are, you, you don't have a, a significant enough grasp on the information that you should have moving into secondary school. So you are going to struggle. Even if you made 40%, you are still going to struggle. Even if you made 50%, you are still going to struggle. And you are being compared to somebody who made 70%, 80%, and 90% in other schools. And that basic concept seems to evade the education ministry for decades. Accepting a 30% transition mark is not good enough. It yeah. means that we have failed those students to the point where they were only able to attain a 30% competency in language and mathematics going in or 35 percent of going into a secondary school where you are going to be slapped with a whole new level of curriculum and you are underprepared for it we still have not heard anything about the remediation for learning loss on a national level standards one two and three and four forms one two and three and four since the failure of the summer intervention past you're getting 10 million dollars or something like that nothing about it is going to buy osmosis fix itself oh, oh you don't start me this morning oh god please don't start me no yeah i mean you're correct these are all really valid and and urgent concerns of the education sector. and they wonder why the streets filled with crime And the numbers are yeah because that's probably one of the biggest um biggest issues that reduces crime eh, is education not one just the, education one one of the biggest an education system that accommodates for all levels of learners and not just running along with the top sea performance every, every year and not understanding the real focus and the real emphasis and the best resources needs to be placed on those who are scoring to 40% and under to get them a fighting chance in the world. All right, gentlemen, we got some calls coming through. Good morning. Hi, morning. Morning, guys. Morning, Sunny. Um, let, now, let me, I wish to inform you that we have that similar situation on Clark Road in Penal where they built, um, the previous government, People's Partnership, built the um, Pervati and the Shiva, um, Shiva Boys School on the corner of Clark and Katarutri. 
just over, just before the Christmas there, I passed the day. There was the roof on. Two days after, there was a, a, a huge sky, sky, skylight. And there's a community a um, couple minutes away that the entire community just got all their roofs and their houses anew. And the thing is, the Penal Police Station is five minutes' walk. Mr. Penal, I don't know if he knows, he will back up what I'm saying. So we are spending the taxpayers, not the government, because nothing is government-funded, you know. Everything is taxpayer-funded. We are spending money to do things, and the problem is, the, uh, some of it is the contractor, because if you, go, if you go throughout the country and you see all those primary schools that are yet to be completed, you know what they all have in common? They have the same contractor. I don't want to call the name on the station because I don't want you all to get in trouble. Right? And that is the problem. All, our next thing, you know what baffles me? Teachers become teachers. They move up in rank. They become vice deans, vice principals, principals. And the problems that they know as teachers, when they become principals, like they all of a sudden forget about it. And to make it worse, when they move from principals to school supervisors, well, they know none of the problems they knew when they were teachers. And that's the thing, because the, 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 the minister can't be everywhere. Is, is almost 800 schools throughout the country. But, and they rely on the school supervisors to do the work. Now, now if you check 95% of the school supervisors, you check their resume, they were a teacher throughout the country. They must know the problem. So Can I ask you a question, sir? Yeah. Do you have any idea of the ratio of school supervisors to schools in the country? No, I, I don't know. Well, I, I implore you to check that. I think they go by um, the region, like Victoria. There are 14 school districts, and, yeah. they are, and they are 800 plus schools, right? Yeah. So do the maths as to how many schools in a school district, and I implore you to go and find out how many school supervisors there are and the resources they have. Uh, that, that's and it will answer a lot of questions for you. Yeah, I know, I know, I know the problems, you know, I, know, I, 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 I didn't work in the system, but I know the problems because I worked in um, bookstore and the textbook, um, part of the textbook um, rental program as a, as a subcontractor for, for many years, so I know the problem. But it, if a teacher moves on to be a vice principal and a principal, well, oh gosh, try to fix the problem as a principal that you knew as a teacher. Right? It, it is not as and simple as that. The vice principal and the principal still are operating within the constraints of what the ministry is able to or is willing to supply. They I can't go to the that. bank and get funding to fix the issues in the school. But it has to, to be it... under the supervision and direction of an overall policy as approved by the Ministry of Education. A principal and a vice principal cannot take it upon themselves to do what they want to fix the issues on their own without resources. I understand that and I, get, and I um, stand corrected in some. But it comes across to the public that when they are teacher, they know the problem. And when they reach in management, all of a sudden there are no problems. They, they know the problem, but, but their hands are tied in many cases. 
Well, vocalize the problems. They're not allowed she, to. She, well, it, it is against their contract. <laughs> you want you ever had you ever had teacher talk about uh, or principal talk? It's against their contract. So the union talks for them. Yeah. Yeah, but it's a sad situation. Go and check it on Clark Road. Clark Road, there are um, two big schools that ninety percent now there's no roof, no window, nothing. Everything is gone. And there's a community a couple minutes. I don't want to call the name of the street because I don't want to it yeah. might be two innocent people in the in the street and I don't want to tarnish them together with the ninety eight percent. All right. Everybody have new rules on that and that in that community from um this thing. All right. Thank it's, you. It's sad. Yeah. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, morning, Mr. Richard, Mr. Patrick, tap up your phone now. That was not me. I see another call. Good morning. Mr. Patrick, get some credit, please. And next time, tell your wife you love and do bricks for your money. We ask you to do that. So you'll get money from mm -hmm. your wife to put on your phone. Mm -hmm. Hello? Yes, morning. Good morning. Good morning, teacher, everyone. I just want to wish you guys um, Happy New Year. All the best. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I would like you all to look into, you know, like, I'm sure you did a program on it already, but educating the public and people abroad about the type of president we have. Because a lot of people think we have a president like the Americans, you know? I'm so glad you said that. Eh? When I heard the conversation start this morning, I think Trinidad and Tobago is largely oblivious to the constitutional rule our president has. Yeah. And the they feel our president is an executive president. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think you all should um, you know, have a program on it. And I sure power wanted to do it already. Steve, this is um, Nicholas. I'm always listening, you know. Hey, Nicholas, how are you going? Yeah, I'm, I'm good, I'm good. I'm Wonderful. Uh, you guys, you know, keep up the good work. But sometimes we feel like if we are just going over, over, over the same stories every year, you know, like a roller coaster, you know. So keep up the good work, and I think you all should bring in somebody to tell the people out there, especially the type of president that mm -hmm. we are. Because a lot of people feel, you know, people have called me and say, well, how she, she's a president, how she can't do this, and how she can't do that, and, you know. <laughs> so I think we need some um, education out here about the type of president we have. Have a good one. All right. Thanks, Nicholas. All the best there. You and your family. Too. Thank you. Um, morning. Good morning again, sir. Mm. Morning, Mr. Patrick. All right. Let me, let me go back before I get cut off. <laughs> um, you cut yourself off. family. I hope all you have a blessed day today as all you bury the boss. Black Stalin today. Have a good day when you bury the boss. No. Well then, well then, Paul Richard, that problem we always talk about, when we talk about the school, does only happen in government schools. That ain't happening in the school board school. That ain't happening in them school. You know what's going on? How do you have a school 90% complete and then they're back 35% complete? And they take off roof, they take off door, they take off that. That already happened in them government schools. Don't worry, I, I hear the education minister is well informed as to what we and I say every morning. So I know whoever this yeah. tell her will tell her what we say this morning. So here we go now. They do part of the school, they waiting for money with the contractor. 
Patrick, thank you. Good morning, caller. Hello, good morning. Morning, Mr. Pina. Good morning, Mr. Pina. Yeah, um, I know the buildings in Clark Road that the caller spoke about. It's uh, at the corner of the road linking Clark Road to Kitwaru Trees. And um, there's two huge abandoned buildings there. Incomplete, bricks are showing, they haven't plastered or anything. Um, all of the floors and beams and so on are in place. I missing more than roof, I could tell you. Um, I don't know what they are for. Um, at one time, they were building an oncology center somewhere in Pinal. I don't know if that is it. Um, Shiva Boys is not far away also in Clark Road before you get to that area. Um, uh, the, rationally, I, since I don't know what it is, um, I, I, I tend to believe it might be the oncology center because we haven't heard anything of that and they had started it. And I don't go into Clark Road all the time. Um, so I can't say uh, if the place is being cleaned up and maintained, but definitely the last time I saw it, it was overgrown and abandoned and looking like nobody lives there, which is exactly the case. If the government wants to repurpose it, I'm, I'm okay with that. Because eh? this thing about one government starting something and another one just walk, leaving it there and starting something somewhere else. You know, when you have a building there, if you don't want to do whatever it was is they had planned, you know, so, um, but I don't know if it's cool. Thank you. You know, when you have a building... Oh, good morning. 
Good morning, caller. Hello. Yeah, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I wanted to sensitivity. Let's have a not for blaming the wrong people. If I am a contractor and I am tasked with building a school, right? When I am finished building the school and I hand it over to whoever authority, whatever authorities, or I or I don't hand it over because they haven't paid me. Right, because a lot of times I see that is what happens. I am not responsible for putting a security guard to guard the school. Let me put it in a, in a home in situation. If I build your home, you are out of the country. You are wherever you are, and I am complete finished building your home. Am I responsible for putting a security guard to watch your house? Or are you, as a homeowner, responsible for putting a security guard to watch your house? You understand? So I'm, mm. I want to correct or to point Mr. Pina and Mr. Trinity in the right direction to suggest to him that the responsibility is not the, ho- the contractor after they build it, but put down the materials to secure the premises. The government have, have been paying a security company in Shagonas by the two towers there. A security firm has been paid there for over 15 years to watch an empty building. You understand? I see some work starting on the building, some scaffolding going up, and I'm, I'm hoping that that building is completed by the end of this year so that people, citizens, could get homes to move into. Right? While on, a different, on that topic. But they have been paying a security company there for 15 years. That security company, I'm sure, has become a million, a multi-million dollar company just on the, that contract from the government. All right? So I don't want, I want to correct my security. It's not the security company to blame for that. All right? That's all. Have a good one. All right. Thank you. Um, all right. We have time to take one or two calls before we head towards our 8 o'clock news brief. Uh, of course, if you will be in. Two 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 eight two five five six one two eight two five five. Good morning to you, Eddie. Uh, Lunch Park. Good morning to you as well. And Duke Street West. Uh, good morning to you. She said I would like to nominate. Call him Imbit for president. Not saying I would. Not saying I would. All right. Um. <laughs> That's funny, though. Uh, let's take a look at what's happening traffic wide. Traffic is still heavy. That accident was uh, uh, southbound uh, on Uriah Butler Highway by Karani. A car went off the road, uh, went to the side of the road there. I think that is all cleared up now. That shouldn't affect the road itself. Leaving Shagornas towards Karani is pretty busy. And Coover towards Chase Village is also a bit heavy this morning. Uriah Butler Highway. Um, before Monroe Road, it is heavy heading northbound. Churchill Roosevelt Highway, uh, Piaco to Uwe, that Macoya Road is heading traffic top to bottom, including El Dorado Road. Uh, we got traffic. Curep to Barataria traffic. Lower Santa Cruz, extremely heavy. Going up Lady Young Road from Mova Junction towards the lookout. You've got some traffic and also coming down. And out of Maraval, still heavy. Back along the Mall, still heavy. All right. 
You know, yesterday when I left the office, I decided to take Lady Young Road to get to Baratarium. Yeah, poor me and a lot of drivers. We got stuck behind a truck driving at 10 kilometers an hour. At some point, we had to come to a complete stop. I always wondered, and I said, I was like 15 car behind or something. Why trucks take Lady Young Road? And they're always going at snail pace. And they know they're going to keep back traffic. And, you know, you really cannot overtake too much on on Lady Young Road, but trucks take it. Thank goodness a police vehicle was on the opposite lane and, and it was so easy to stop him and told him to pull on his side because he's creating a lot of traffic. Thank goodness for that police officer. Kudos to you. All right, let's get into 8 o'clock news brief. Thank you for choosing Power Water 2 Digital. Listen every weekday for our live show starting at 6 a.m. Remember, like, share, and subscribe. Power 102 Digital.